This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Um, Hello, welcome to the Mobilities and Methods series hosted by the New Books Network in association with the Mobilities and Methods Lab at the University of Illinois at Chicago. The Mobilities and Methods Lab and New Books Network provide a platform for authors, readers, and their interlocutors to engage closely with questions of mobility and movement. My name is Lakshata Malik. And today, I'm joined by Dr. Bram Prakash, Assistant Professor, Theatre and Performance Studies at the Schools of School of Arts and Aesthetics at Jawaharlal Nehru University, New Delhi. We are in conversation about his book, uh, Cultural Labour, Conceptualizing the Folk Performance in India, published by Oxford University Press in 2019. Welcome, Dr. Prakash, and we're very excited to have you here and talk about this very dynamic book that you've written. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, I'm going to jump right in because there's, like I said, and we were talking before, the book has so much to offer. And hopefully we can we can get to some of it and leave some for the audience to judge for themselves when they go and read the book. Um, the, so the first question itself is, yeah, just the concept of cultural labor. How did that come about? How did you get to this concept? What was the journey like to get you to this book? Yeah, let's start there. Yeah, so it has been a quite interesting journey, I should say, because this is not something I started in my PhD. It has been, I was engaging with the subject from my MA days when I started doing my master's degree in same school, in a school of arts and aesthetics. And then some of the questions that was like really occupying me is that what could be the reasons that like these performances or folk performances are getting marginalized in the larger discourses, you don't find there a space. You don't find that is getting certain kinds of theoretical frameworks. So it always becomes a, or certain kinds of aesthetic conception. So whenever you discuss about this performance, it always becomes a certain kinds of ethnocentric, anthropological kinds of field in which you can go do certain kinds of fieldwork, but you don't discuss it as a part of aesthetics kinds of question. Same way, when you do go to discuss about labor studies kinds of department, they will say that, but they are not doing labor. 
they are not doing some kinds of very hard labor they are doing some kinds of cultural kinds of things so what i felt that this performance is neither fitting in the labor studies discourse nor fitting into these kinds of like you know cultural studies discourse and becoming certain kinds of very liminal kinds of area in which one can think about these kinds of performance and so yeah the question basic question was like you no know, that what could be the reasons that these course, these performances folk performances in india's are getting marginalized or remain marginalized in the larger discourses and then after a point of time the question shifted to about their strength when i went to the field work i started like no again because i also have seen this performance from my childhood i've been part of the community watching this program grew up watching these performances and then i felt that let us discuss about the strengths of these performances what are their strengths then the question shifted from like marginalization to this idea of the, their strengths and then like you no know, when i was thinking about their strengths then either you are thinking in terms of their their relationship with land or the labor or their relationship with certain kinds of contradiction you will find that you don't have aesthetic categories or indian aesthetic categories that we were using in our department in our like no discipline was quite like incapable of addressing these kinds of question and that was quite a kind of like a paradox that you have largely like no agri like no agri agricultural country agrarian society but you don't have aesthetics concept around land and that was a kind of like no same way whenever you are thinking about culture you are always thinking in terms of leisure time that ki only community or class who have leisure time can produce culture it means you are trying to completely get away with this whole idea of like no so sudra cannot produce culture the lower caste cannot produce culture they cannot engage whoever so what you are exactly doing this kinds of aesthetic exercise that largely we are living the whole area and what we are trying to discuss is largely the kinds of monoculture of the middle class or monoculture led by the brahminical kinds of like you no know, ideological class in that sense yeah so this has been the kinds of like you no know, yeah yeah thank you so much for that and there's so much we will pick apart from there you know the fact that you know culture is only seen as a leisure uh, a site of leisure and not a site of labor and and sort of coming i think that's something that i find very valuable about your work as well and you know it's 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 that it's sort of not drawing that binary between pleasure and work and le- like that that sort of binary those distinctions don't exist and and we'll get to some of the implications of that in a little bit uh before we get into it though let's talk a little bit about uh the concept of the folk in your book what does that mean because in the indian con- in the indian sort of uh context through colonialism it has come to develop a very distinct thing uh it is not the same thing as it is everywhere else in india it means something slightly different and you touch upon the changing meanings in the historiography chapter that you uh go through so let's 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 lay that out for for the audience uh, for the listeners and and what that means yeah in fact like the deployment of this term folk has been really really difficult for me and therefore i always put it under the coat under it is a coat mark because like you no know, for last again when i was finishing my book then i was not sure that whether i am going to use this term because the term has lot of baggage it carries lot of complexity but again i was not able to decide what term to use for example at a point of time i was thinking that i should use desi kinds of like no lok sanskriti desi kinds of term but again i like no my whole idea was not to 
localize this kinds of debate because this is not about I'm talking about North India. It is about I'm talking about the production of services or production of certain kinds of cultural production across South Asia. And therefore, I also don't want it to get into these kinds of very localized kinds of economy of these kinds of production. And therefore, I avoided this term Desi and Maki. Then again, I was thinking about Luke Sanskriti, but again, I felt that maybe like you no know, subaltern performances. But what I felt that despite of all these terms like no and also so still I've remained quite critical of this idea of the folk but what I felt that despite of all the problematics all the complexities the term still carries the certain kinds of energy certain kinds of evocation that only folk can like no come with and therefore like no this ultimately that coming up with this term of the folk so I'm not saying that yeah, I have ultimate like no kinds of definition about what I meant by folk but again it is the area very complex area in which I was thinking about folk performances of the subaltern communities because even if you are discussing about folk performances then you have several narratives around like you know either epic Ramayana and Mahabharata. One can also discuss about the folk performances of the upper caste. One can discuss about the folk performances of different kinds of other communities, ethnic communities. So I'm precisely discussing about the folk performances of the subaltern communities in a caste society in India. And that has been the kinds of my focus. But yes, if I get a better term, then I'm ready to use some other term also. I don't mind going for another term that sub can substitute this idea of the folk. But I would like to just add that, like, no, yeah, you're right, that how this, like, no, this idea of the folk, the authenticity, also becoming a certain kinds of, like, no, mobilizing kinds of term for when you are thinking about cultural nationalism and other kinds of, like, no, that whole, like, no, discourse that is happening in South Asia, largely in India in particular. And then I'm like, no, and while I remain quite critical of this whole idea of the authenticity of culture, I'm also quite critical of the hybridity. I'm also quite critical of this concept of the hybridity and diversity also. Like, for example, many times what happens is that diversity gets celebrated in the name of like no, so when we talk about like no, we have diversity, then we talk about like no gender, we talk about caste, we talk about religion. But what we are trying to undermine that how in the name of diversity we are trying to hide this question of hierarchy, and therefore I think many times the diversity completely tries to hide this idea of like no this notion of hierarchy, this notion of differences, and this notion of like inequality in that sense. And therefore yes, I am remain quite critical of this authenticity of the culture. But I will also remain quite critical of this whole hybridity and diversity that gets celebrated as a part of certain notion of the secular India or secular kinds of things of the nation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think I completely agree. And and you, you sort of jumped ahead, but that would have been our question with cultural appropriation. And we'll get to that too, because this is so important. Yeah. I think one of the things that I want the listeners to know is that in India, the distinction between uh, Popular culture and folk culture is sometimes drawn to the effect of making into a binary, which is something that this book dispels quite well. There isn't a distinction between the popular and the folk in the way that we think it is. The popular existing at the level of the metropole or the TV and media and then the folk existing as just like this localized improvised thing that is happening, you know, it's there's no script, it's only oral tradition, sort of fetishization of, uh, you know, the ephemeral in the folk is sort of contested, but also seen as a space of uh, potential, like you say in the book, right? And so that's something that we will get into a little bit. And also, you know, you delineate that whole, I think it's so important to look at the history of how the colonizers sediment something that was already there, right, in terms of the caste dynamic of 
something being understood as high culture so sanskritized text as as dramatic text sort of ramayana mahabharat is what you mentioned so these these are seen as like canon texts and everything else is like oh it's a version of the main thing but that's not you know that's that's something that's been cemented through colonization and and you know the intervention of the british as 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 everything um let's let's go back circle back to the question of what you were saying about diversity because that gets into uh and and we'll jump a little bit but uh, i i do want to get into the question of uh cultural appropriation which is such a it's such a it's such a dynamic topic right now across different contexts right here in the us in in but india somehow sort of is is cast as a very you don't know how to you know it there is some academic discussions around that you know that that there's some of that that is happening around like sadir and bharatnatyam and how bharatnatyam has been sanitized through the project of nationalism and there are some discussions around that but you take that into an even more nuanced thing new nuanced direction because you are uh, focusing on bihar and telangana and and if there's something that you want to let's get into how you know you you look at the the nuances of cultural appropriation in that context let's let's yeah. hear a little bit about that yeah yeah so thank you so much for asking this question because i also felt that what is happening many times that some of the regions where you have like lot of a scholarship has come so for example if you are thinking about bengal and if you are thinking about kolkata is the center or like mumbai is the center where you had a significant middle class who took certain kinds of like new interest in the culture and like in this cultural field and then they become very active kinds of participants or you can say the active agents of like no cultural appropriation because they wanted to as a part of the nation building they wanted to inherit some idea of the culture they wanted to participate in these kinds of cultural production or become part of the cultural kinds of class in that sense but the same kinds of and therefore i see that key post colonialism as a framework may not equally work across the region it has different kinds of encounters it has different kinds of you know like no resonances for that matter and therefore when you come to certain kinds of peripheries so for example peripheral areas of bihar telangana or many other states where you don't have that kinds of encounters that has happened with like no british colonialism then you will find that maybe the appropriation has happened in a quite different way were like no even feudal class if you are thinking about the feudal class then they were not interested in this kinds of cultural renaissance they were neither interested in the kinds of like no appropriating that cultural field neither like no making that is its own part of its own and therefore what has happened that culture still remains as a part of in the hand of most marginalized communities if you are thinking about cultural performances if you are thinking about the performing arts in telangana if you are thinking about performing arts in like no bihar and many other odisha many other regions madhya pradesh chatisgarh and then many regions what you find that still those kinds of cultural performances performing arts remain with the kinds of the lower caste and that because the middle class could not get formed in a significant ways and you don't have that kinds of a strong presence of the middle class in that sense and therefore you will also find the similar thing is happening in north india that you never had the kinds of a strong hindi drama culture because drama as a genre drama as a literature largely belong to the middle class and since you never had this kinds of a strong middle class in that region and therefore you could see that key how that genre could not become a kind of very advanced genre in that sense that you can find in maybe in the case of kolkata in the case of like no tamil nadu and the case of like no some other regions which has gone through different kinds of 
colonization for that matter. And that is the case I'm making that what has happened to this field, like if we're thinking about cultural appropriation and then culture as a site or like you know, performing arts as a site remains as a part of something that has to be neglected. You don't find many artists from that site. You don't find the kinds of academic discourse that is coming from that site because then you don't have like a middle class who could have taken these kinds of responsibility to argue for this idea of the culture and that since that class was missing and therefore you will find that key it has taken a very different kinds of route if you're thinking about bihar telangana and many other states for that matter yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think that is an important nuance to bring to this 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 discussion because performing and especially publicly performing has always been a more subaltern uh uh it's it's always come from there right and and that's you know the you can look at the history of of bharatnatyam and that spells us out so clearly it's like sadir started with the devadasis the courtesans and then gets appropriated over the course of the nationalist movement turned into something that is sanitized you know the it's not erotic in the same way and it's it's something more presentable and and you're right in bihar which is uh one of the poorest states and and you know has a lot of and we'll get to questions of migration which you take up as well and has a history of like working class especially laboring castes what you say right you call them laboring castes and laboring classes and they are the ones who have been performing but the uh, the feudal lords have no interest in taking that up as a uh, as as a thing uh to to lord or anything like that not to say it's a good or a bad thing but that's just the case in this let's 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 talk a little bit about because each chapter is so interesting in your book you take up a different kind of folk performance a different kind of folk some of them are ritual some of them are not and and it's a it's it's a very vast sort of array of folk performances and i find it particularly interesting um as to uh in the chapter on landscape uh, which is uh, chapter 2 i think where you talk about um this one ethnographic vignette where you know you're you're witnessing what is called buyan uh you know it's a jagran that leads up to the buyan puja and you can get into more about what buyan puja is and and tell the listeners of what that is but in this case the shaman is trying to contact uh the holy spirits and and you know is is failing quote unquote not able to connect and that causes a fair bit of like tension <laughs> with the with the audience press like what is happening we must you know you you need to and and that is something so interesting because you don't necessarily see that i think in this failure what is highlighted is whatever the concept of the cultural labor that you present is like no this is not always going to happen the way there is no script to this there's actually people who use their bodies their embodiment and their labor to create something right so i i want to focus on that example and like maybe you can tell us a little bit more about cultural labor as a concept through that and what that means in the context of the landscape and the materiality of the land and labor okay 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 yeah so that's quite like you no know, so let me just discuss about given like you no know, a structure of the book i think that is like you no know, quite important to make this whole idea that how book is a structure in that sense because i am taking first like as i have told you that i was interested in this whole idea of the what are the kinds of categories that becomes the strengths for these kinds of performances and then i am taking like you no know, one concept that can be considered as a part of a strength so either you are thinking in terms of land or landscape that becomes a very, very 
very associated term to think about these performances where the performers can be located performance can be located same way when i move to the materiality then i am discussing again about like you no know, certain genres of performances where the things are getting more merged it is getting more like mixed it is becoming a defilement and therefore like you no know, what i will say that like you know, instead of thinking about hybridity instead of thinking about certain idea of the authenticity i would love to talk about defilement that how like you know, defilement becomes a basic categories and since your whole aesthetics genre or aesthetic regiment has been thinking around this idea of certain kinds of purification it was arranged around certain idea of the categories very like you no know, nice category or that kinds of like you know, very like you no know, very very specific categories and i think what is happening in these performances are that many categories are getting merged completely merged because it is not about like the choice that you can make there it is about more about the kinds of arrangement kinds of a strategy and what is going to work for your performances like we were thinking about these performers then the whole idea is that whatever is going to work in the performances we are going to bring that things like you no know, in our performances and that is the way they work yeah so first chapter discussed about like you know, bringing this category of the land i am bringing this category of the landscape to discuss about that whole alienated or maybe neglected area of the category of the land in indian aesthetics and then i am bringing this like you no know, puja ritual worship that is called bhunya puja bhunya exactly means like you, know, you can translate it is earth you can translate it is land so worship of land or worship of earth in that sense and many times that puja is called like you no know, worship of dharti ma ki puja so like you no know, also like you no know, worship of like mother earth in that sense so what is happening that how like you know, i am taking a one concept that is landscape and then i am discussing it through this whole field of niya puja that is bringing this category in a more evocative way that is bringing this category in a more i will say in a obvious way same way when i am discussing about materiality in relation to videsia or videsia can be translated as a theater of migrant laborers then i am trying to bring that key what exactly is happening with videsia like in videsia then becomes a kind of genre that is in painting that is in song that comes in various various genre that is a play written by vikai thakur the person who came with this idea of like no theater and then you also have the whole history colonial history about this like no this landscape where like no people are migrating or like going for this whole indentured labor in caribbean countries and then the society is feeling at the sense of loss and they are creating whole new kinds of song genre that is termed as a bidisia so then i'm talking about like in that way. same way like all the chapters are arranged around one concept and one performances and performances here necessarily like bringing that kinds of categories in a more evocative way and that has been the idea about like no arranging these kinds of like no again certain kinds of ethnographic fieldwork and conceptualization together yeah coming back to your question about like no how this like you no know, this whole story about bhunya puja and how this kind of like you no know, it is certain kinds of can talk about improvisation you can also talk about certain kinds of labor that you are rightly pointing it out that what goes when you are participating in ritual that you are constantly trying to perform you are trying to like you no know, appease the deities but you are not getting possessed by the deity and what happens in bhunya puja that it is a very ceremony kinds of worship but again i am quite resistive of like no reading this idea of like no this is the ritual this is the theater this is the kinds of performances i don't want to fall into these categories i want to read them through certain kinds of registers the way in media studies now we use the term registers so whether like no so what is happening that like no we as a part of modern society many times not able to feel through that kinds of corporeality we are not able to generate 
it through lacking our own kinds of feeling through that kinds of senses, and because we are losing those kinds of senses, so I am trying to read them through the certain kinds of registers. And in that sense, when like a person is saying that like you know, like whole drummers are trying to invoke the deity, and then deity is like you know, the person that like main summon figure or the medium is not getting that sense, and like a whole disconnection that is happening, then they also do the certain. So you can say one can say that it was a failure of the kinds of ritual. In a very like no interesting way, but whether is it a failure? Can we read it as a failure? But again, the whole labor effort, efforts that is becoming part of this kinds of constitution, and that becomes interesting. And therefore, I would like to make this whole connection thread that how I am trying to discuss about this idea of like no cultural labor in that sense. So for me, cultural labor becomes this whole sense and enactment of intense. So this, like you can see, like what the way I'm imagining these performers or was watching these performers. So what the performers is doing that very passionately, the person is trying to get connected with the deity, but person is time and again failing, time and again. And then what you feel that there is a whole intense, passionate, ritualized performance is happening. So it is not just you are doing the labor. You are doing it in more passionate way. You are putting lot of emotion. You are putting lot of imagination and all these things. So it is labor plus something that I am talking about. And therefore, when like when I am talking about cultural labor, then for me, cultural labor becomes a kind of passionate production of labor in a, a specific cultural context in which like you are putting trying to make this connection of labor. And that has been the idea of thinking about cultural labor. So cultural labor becomes a kind of creative economy placed in a hegemonic local context. And that is the way I have tried to bring this category. And like also the idea has been to also to bring this whole culture and labor to different kinds of disparate categories together. Yeah, and, and, and it's very evident in your book because it takes so much, you, you, you know, you go through the method, you go through historiography, you go through existing literature, trying to very much get these two distinct and disparate spaces together. Like, no, they do go together and it is very central to it that they do. Um, one of the, I found it really interesting and you just mentioned towards the end about, uh, you know, dominant regimes. And and one thing that I, that I remember from your text very vividly was you saying that cultural labor the, the condition for cultural labor to happen is a situation of powerlessness. I'm paraphrasing at this point. It cannot happen outside of, you have to be, it has to happen from a from below, so to speak. And it has to happen in a situation, a constrained situation. It has to happen. And that's what one of the main things that I found that so powerful, especially in the context of the chapter on performance and performativity, where you're talking about this very controversial subject matter of intercaste love uh, between uh, that it's called Reshma and Shuharmal. And, and it's between these two people who it's a it's a non-dominant caste man and, 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 a, and a princess, right, woman and Reshma. And, and it's and, and it's there are different versions of this play that that you know you go through and one of the interesting things about your book is you don't, you just don't analyze the performance like as it is happening boxed but also look at what is happening like off stage and backstage and you know what what are the discussions that are happening and there's this one instance in which the marriage uh, there are these people who are like, yeah, we, we're going to perform this play. And then there's resistance. Uh, maybe we shouldn't perform this play because like the dominant caste community might get wind of this and this may lead to actual violence, right? There's literal actual violence at stake in performance of some of these uh, performances. And, and so you make the distinction between performance and performativity. 
and i want you to talk a little bit about that and then also some of the performance strategies that uh, uh non dominant caste labor in caste use to to you know to be able to express themselves but also evade some kind of violence it's very real yeah 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 so of course like you no know, this is also kind of like you no know, so this has been a kind of one ways of reading these performances through this whole representational categories so what generally you are going to do and it has been a part of like a very like kind of content analysis representational analysis that what exactly they are representing and who are these people and i would like to give my own example so i remember that like you no know, as a part of culture group we went to perform in rajasthan and we were singing like you no know, laborer song like you no know, because like you no know, it was a kind of theater studies conference so we were singing about labor songs we were singing about labor exploitation and everything but again that organizer also given opportunity to the real laborers who were working there in a, like you no know, make like you know, they were working in a kind of construction company there and they came and they sang on the they performed on the songs of honey singh yo yo honey singh and so like so this is the contradiction i'm talking about so like if you're going to see through the representation you can see that these laborers are very reactionary they are very regressive they are singing on that kinds of very like misogynistic kinds of songs and we are very progressive because we are singing on the songs but but again so i'm saying that how like for example not necessarily that representation is going to give you the real picture something other layers are opening there and i'm largely taking from james scott who is talking about public script and like no hidden transcripts so how for example what happens that like many times you are trying to enact something in public but again you are trying to hide something behind it and one example will i think suffice this thing so for example i was disc- i'm discussing about reshma and juharman that is a very very famous love epic from north india and you have like you no know, documented lot of documentation has happened around these performances given by george gerson who was working in as a kind of administrator in that region he was a famous like a folklorist so for example so what you are seeing that in the same time frame what is happening that like no community same community dusad communities are worshiping a deity who is grotesque who is having a very grotesque image image full of blood but when they come to for like no perform the same kinds of like no for the same deity when they are coming to perform for intra community kinds of theater then they are doing a more like a beautified imitating beautified image of chawarmal now the question comes that why the same communities in the same moment like historical time are performing two different kinds of image like one very grotesque image and another very beautified image to that extent they call chawarmal is a ramavtari that he is like no another kind of avatar of rama hmm. so and this becomes very clear that this becomes a species becomes very contradiction a species creates contradiction you we should also know that how like you know, some genres are going to work create a certain kinds of efficacy in one space and may not work in other space so maybe in the household worship that grotesque image is still working but when they are coming from outside of the community then that is not working that grotesque image is not able to provide you the resistance in household or like a familial image the grotesque image is able to do something but outside for the outside community so for example like if they are performing grotesque image of like no chawarmal and then the prakash will come and laugh that oh my god this is the deity they have 
like no deity who does not have like no even the face so this is the faceless deity you are celebrating and therefore they are now trying to create a new beautified image of the, of the deity and therefore what i will say that how so when i'm saying about that performance i'm largely talking about certain kinds of representation category certain kinds of like you no know, performance that you are trying to show and you are trying to enact but when i'm trying to discuss about performativity i'm trying to bring the contradiction i'm trying to bring the kinds of like you no know, display and certain kinds of concealment that communities or the performers are doing on behalf of the community or some agents are doing and the part of like no certain kinds of like no social kinds of framing this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe dive into the western trend with gold cowboy boots from stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from prada you can shop for everything on your agenda Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. No, and and that again, it's so important to make that distinction because for the longest time performance study and and you have mentioned this in the book has been structured by gender trouble, uh, Butler's text, gender trouble and performance is only just that. It's like everything is but but power structures somehow get left out of it and you're absolutely right when you look at performativity which is like the situation the context in which certain performances become um publicly performed i guess uh certain performances become public like that's what i'm trying to say that is important why certain things change why this deity who is grotesque in one location becomes more aestheticized and beautified in another location is something very very important to look at and i think that's something that you bring it's a, it's this nuanced understanding of power relations uh, uh, in performance studies that is largely not that usually goes amiss you know you usually look at performances like oh these structures aren't real gender isn't real which is true all of these are made up structures but people have very real repercussions uh in their lives through these concept concepts right caste means something gender means something even though it's made up and and that is important um and thank you so much for providing that explanation i i do want to also talk i mean there's so much in this book again i i'm so leaving so much out and and it's it's up to the audiences to go and look up all of the stuff and i do want to get back to the bidesia play uh, uh the theater that you talk about because that a uh, you talk about materiality on various levels right you you mentioned this materiality of of it's it's coming out of a point in time when a lot of uh, labor laboring castes mostly are moving to indentured labor in the caribbean and there is like a hollowness people have gone and there's like loss and and this play is coming out of of that particular this theater is coming out of that very real emotion felt in communities it's very charged it's very uh, you know and we'll come to the question of viscerality a little bit later it's very very charged with uh, emotion uh, the other thing that you mention is materiality materiality in terms of mixing uh, genres and defiling genres so it's it's this particular person uh, bhikari thakur who comes up with this particular theater which then changes over the period of time it's not one thing right but when it comes up he's taking uh, elements from tamasha and notanki and it's not one thing so there's also music there's also dance there's no um, purified way of performing it's it's very overtly uh, defiling it's very overtly meant to offend these 
categories, these distinctions, and it does something so interesting with that. Uh, could you please talk about some of that with, with respect to how labor becomes a part, how cultural labor becomes a part of this uh, materiality? Yeah. Yeah. So in fact, like, you know, I will say that if you're thinking about very direct and concrete connection in that sense, then I think Videsia provides a very, very concrete connection where like you no know, laboring classes. And I think that is a very peculiar kinds of phenomena of like, you know, I will say Bihar, UP and some other regions where like you no know, laboring class are having their own theater production like running their own theater troupe. They are telling their own stories. And now we can say that they are running their own cinema industry mm. to that extent. And that I would like to extend. They're running their own YouTube channels in cinema industry. It, despite of all the kinds of like, you no, know, these kinds of like, you no know, contradictions about like, you no know, things about that. It is about vulgarity. It is about like, you no know, objectification of women, all these things. So I'm taking all these things aside and we can discuss that also. But what I'm saying that this whole like, you no, know, that how Vikai Thakur, who himself was a migrant laborer for almost 30 years, is coming back to the region, coming back to Bihar and thinking about creating a genre where he can like, you know, bring his own, like, you know, tell his own story. And that has been very much part of that kinds of, I will say, culture that has been very much part of that kinds of, like, you no, know, that, that landscape, if you are thinking about landscape. And then what is happening here that, like, yes, one way of, like, you no, know, so he's trying to bring in, you are rightly pointing out that, therefore, like, you no, know, I generally don't go into this whole discourse of, like, you no, know, hybridity, because it is, like, you cannot find that it merged so much that he's, like, you know, trying to bring everything. And if you're thinking about pre-Vikari Thakur kinds of scenario, in that region or Bhujpuri region in that sense, then you have largely caste-based kinds of songs. You have like no caste-based songs. So like Dhobiya Geet, Chamarwa, like no Chamar caste will have their own caste songs. Dhobiya, like Dhobiwasram and caste have their like no, their own kinds of like no dance. He's trying to merge everything together. Coming from the lower caste, barber caste, he like no, trying to merge, every, bring everything together because like without maintaining that kinds of sanctity, that whole sanctity of this is good or this is bad. The whole idea was that what is going to appeal the audience, what is going to attract the audience. So, for example, he was also like bringing the songs of women. And to that extent, one can say that, like, you know, how what is happening to the agency? Like, we had like, a lot of debate in the, if you're thinking in that term, that whether you have female impersonators who are representing women on the stage, so whether they are able to bring the agency of women or not. What I have seen is some of the scenario that I discuss also, that what you feel that when the female impersonator are singing on the stage, you will find that women are giving chorus, the real social women are giving chorus to them. Mm. And that like creating a very interacting, interactive kinds of agency that one can talk about. Because when we think about agency, we think that agency is like very individualized. It is part of somebody's body. We are not thinking agency in kinds of more interactive mode. And what we are seeing in this kinds of channelization of performance, that agency is working in a quite interesting way, where like you know, performers have taken the songs of the real social women in that sense. And now that social women are also giving a certain kinds of response to these kinds of song and performances. And then also I would like to read is a materialization. What is happening is a certain kinds of materialization. It does not remain two different kinds of categories. When I'm also talking about, I'm also giving example of pre-Bhakti kinds of scenario where Krishna himself is becoming Videsi. Krishna himself is becoming migrant laborers. So you can imagine the scenario where like a god Krishna, who is like you know, sung as a part of like a lot of praises uh, in the bhakti kinds of songs with these kinds of indentured migration with these kinds of like a you know, whole huge crisis is like you know, himself turned into a kinds of like you know, migrant laborers he's migrating to kolkata he's working with there and therefore one can also talk about that what happened to this whole idealization of bhakti 
here bhaktis are also getting materialized it does not mean that like no efficacy of bhakti is completely erased you are still have the kind certain kinds of efficacy of bhakti that is still very much working but again it is coming the categories are coming together it's a materialization of certain kinds of devotion that is making this whole things more interesting and making these categories like no i will say more same way i will also i also discuss about obscenity what is obscenity we talk about and for example if you are thinking about obscenity then obscenity is the language of the body it is the language of the materiality and many times when we discuss about videsia they will say that it is a social drama and things like many things but generally as scholars many times are not discussing about the certain kinds of obscene elements or certain kinds of like erotic elements use the term erotic elements more i will say like no erotic elements that has been very much part of these kinds of performances where they don't make a distinction between erotic and religion erotic and certain kinds of profanity and religion and that i have also discussed in visceralty chapter but that is the larger context i am trying to make that ki how materialization is happening materiality is like taking place in language materiality is taking place when like no i am was giving example of like no i am giving example of chair that when joker comes then what joker is exactly doing he is trying to materialize that whole language with this the whole kinds of gestures the certain kinds of language that he use like no he will use in that play and therefore i will say that he how materiality in relation to bidistia is happening at various various levels in many many levels in that sense yes thank you yeah i think yeah that it, it's correct it's happening on many many levels and and that's very it's yeah again such a rich text and and i would strongly recommend people because i think we can only provide a glimpse you have to read it to to get the full context and um yeah I, i do want to move i think this is a good point to talk about viscerality obscenity uh, uh erotics of performances which you take up towards the end and this is because of the choreo politics uh, uh 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 chapter you talk about uh, uh viscerality and there's a very important quote on page 180 where you said uh, what distinguished folk performances from other performances besides several other characteristics is their extreme viscerality it provides dynamism virality and passion to a performance unlike the structured virtuosity of classical drama and performance and i find this so interesting because you mentioned this right now and and in terms of i think the best way to look at folk uh, it is a contested air quotes category but i think the category of viscerality at large i think is a good way or at least a comprehensive way of looking at what folk does in terms of um, desanitizing what are views of you know distinctions between ritual and erotics and distinctions between uh, you know where the body needs to be doing what it is doing and 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 i think that is something i'd like you to talk about in terms of uh, uh, yeah we uh, you it's really interesting because the uh, the genre of performance you're discussing is dogla mukabla in which two people it's like a dialogic sort of thing between that also roots in the audience in many ways because they're also part judges because they're also like boosting the morale and also like oh they have judgments very much it's at stake so and the the question of improvisation becomes really important as well so if, if so please please do get into that yeah 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 so i also felt that like you know how many times like we were thinking about like you no know, certain kinds of virtuosity 
then that has a, a special attention in performance studies when you are trying to analyze certain kinds of appearances, like larger economy of the appearances for that matter. But when you are thinking about like you know, more, I will say that kinds of visceral category, then like you no, know, it is not like you no, know, you're not trying to maintain completely getting rid of these all these categories, the binaries that one can think about. Like you know, before like you know, Durga Puja and all these kinds of festival, there will be a news. Many times this like media will take this news that they are performing these obscene kinds of performances during the Durga Puja. They are singing obscene kinds of songs during the chat. But this is your problem. This is not the problem of that people that they are performing. They are not making that distinction. Because if you are going to see like you no know, many times like you know, all these kinds of festival parties see this festival, then like you no, know, these performances are very much part of those festivals. And what is happening in this festival that they are trying to merge. So they will sing one song in like dedicating it to Durga or some Devi, Devi worship part of like no certain deity, mother deity kinds of worship. And after that, they can just move to very obscene or very erotic kinds of performances. And then if you're wanting to maintain very sacred, profane kinds of categories, then you will see that what is happening. This is something like no completely like going against the ethos of the performance or going against the ethos about like no certain kinds of religious sanctity for that matter. But again, I think this is a problem that is like no carried by like either certain kinds of moral discourses or by the middle class. They don't care about these kinds of things. And this comes like together. So this like and they supplement each other. So when I'm saying that how they supplement each other, they also supplement to these kinds of religious kinds of performances. And same way, like religious kinds of efficacy is also performing, like creating certain kinds of efficacy for erotic kinds of performances. And therefore, it becomes like a very merger in which we can talk about these things. And Dugola becomes a very, very interesting site of the study because in Dugola, you can see that the movement, the merger in a quite a strong way. So they are like, there are songs where like they are singing about Nirguna songs. They're singing about like certain kinds of Kabir songs, songs about many times death. They're merging death with food. They're merging death with like no place. So you have like a very pure element, very impure element. You have flesh, blood, and like no certain kinds of sacred objects are going together without making that kinds of distinction. And I think that becomes like no quite a kinds of category that I think will not find analysis in existing kinds of like no very Indian aesthetic discourse where you have like whole tendencies to see these things in a category that this is pure, this is impure, this is obscene, this is like no accepted, this is not accepted. But I think these kinds of framing does not work in these kinds of performances. And that also lead to certain kinds of corrupting kinds. Like, no, these performances are corrupt. Like, no, this whole category of the corrupt, that like many times they are labeled as corrupt, they are labeled as vulgar. Not just because it is their objectified, doing the objectified kinds of performances, but because they are also not like, no, working through these kinds of very like, no, existing categories. They are breaking this category at a corrupting level. So that like becomes like too much. You are merging too much. And if you are thinking that you are merging too much in any caste society, then that is going against the very idea of the caste. Because caste is all about maintaining the purity of the blood, purity of the certain kinds of like you no know, gotra and all these kinds of categories. And since these like you know, kinds of performances provide these kinds of a space, I think that becomes quite difficult to handle in these kinds of like you no know, existing kinds of discourses. Right. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that explanation, Dr. Prakash. Um, but in terms of obscenity, and I think it's an interesting thing because gender is 
you know it, it's hiding in plain sight over here and and i think you do mention that that's not the primary space of an because there's already so much happening in the text and not to say that gender is not an important category it's just beyond the scope of a text of what you're trying to do here and i, I understand that but like i find that vignette of that uh, that one anecdote about so there's a very popular bollywood song called munni badnam hue which has been appropriated in many ways from an existing song which means londa badnam hua which is uh, so munni would be like female gets infamous i think that's your translation and then londa badnam hua is is boy gets infamous and and uh, and it's not like obscenity is entirely absent from popular discourses or or you know these are problematic spaces if you look at the recent pictures of the popular bollywood actor ranveer singh where he's posing nude and obscenity is a very real charge there but what that is not is how all the liberals were sort of uh, you know defended is it's also artistic it's creative it's not just like obscenity for obscenity sake which is what you're trying to do is like folk performance is art right it's not just also vulgarity viscerality and and obscenity for obscenity's sake it's also art it's also creative it's also all of these other things that you usually don't extend um can you talk a little bit more about you know this particular instance of of this appropriation of this existing song londa badnam hua to munni badnam hui and because there is some kind of cultural appropriation happening over here for sure yeah 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 Yeah, so in fact, like very recently, I published one article. It's called "Erotic Power of the Dancer," and where I am discussing about like you no know, gender absent that, like I will say that I could not, and I really felt that there have been so many things to discuss. I could not go to that whole like you no know, gender areas, and that has been also like you no know, one can write whole thesis and maybe many many thesis on taking this whole gender lens in these kinds of like you no know, same landscape. where i am talking about these kinds of performances but yeah so yeah i'm also like you know, so recently i have been writing something on this question about erotic about this obscenity and the question of gender also yeah but coming back to your question that like you no know, yeah you quite right that when like you know you have so you have like you know, certain kinds of commodity that is working in a quite interesting way so when you are like you know, giving example of ranbir kapoor like when he is doing something then like you no know, like you no know, becoming and or exposing the body or positioning the body in a some different way or like you no know, in off scene way or one can say erotic way then the person is able to generate certain kinds of economy maybe like you know, certain kinds of debate also one can agree or disagree on those debates and that was happening what is interesting about these like you no know, performers that i am talking about female impersonator is not about just like you no know, bringing certain kinds of obscenity or certain kinds of erotic it is about like you no know, they become the object of disgust and that is what i'm trying to point out that ki how like munni badnam hui you can ask your son and daughter to dance on munni badnam hui song quite happily that ki okay let us dance on munni badnam hui but i'm sure the people who are coming from mid like no up and bihar middle class section upper caste section who are coming from up and bihar can never ask their son and daughters or children to ask on like no dance on londa badnam hua because it is bringing like no some different kinds of layer also because first of all like no female if you are trying to become like being a male 
you are trying to become female, then you are also embodying certain kinds of femininity, like you know, feminine category becomes important. And then you also like, you no know, address it, like you know, create certain kinds of crisis for your masculinity or that kinds of imagination. Second, that is also kind of like, though you know the history, that who were the people who used to sing these kinds of songs. So that songs, the imagination of the songs remains quite encoded in the caste. In the kinds of like a community that these are the communities who used to sing on the song and how come we can like you no know, sing on the out sing and dance on the same song so it is about like you no know, it is not just about obscenity or certain kinds of erotic movement that one talking about one is talking about the certain kinds of erotic movement that can create a disgust for a section of society and that is what i'm trying to precisely like you no know, address in this whole idea of the munni badnamhui and londa badnamha that how londa badnamha becomes like you no know, too like you no know, it is too unacceptable category. It cannot be accepted. We cannot see this. Yeah, it goes beyond sensational and into the category of, like you said, disgust. It's it's no longer titillating in the way of like, oh my God, you know, it's something nuanced and cool. No, it's not even that. It's Londa Badnam, definitely a site of disgust. Like you said, you know, associated with the particular bodies who perform that and associated with the specifically laboring, manual laboring bodies who, who do that performance and, and, you know, that feminization and the crisis of masculinity for upper caste men especially is, is something uh, very at the center of this. Um, I, yeah, I think you've answered so many of my questions and I'm very aware of the time and I don't want to keep you here too long. I do want to, as a parting thought, um, ask you what are the projects you're working on right now what can the listeners look forward to and and you know what what can we what can what what's coming from you in the future okay thank you thank you for giving me this okay <laughs> exposure yeah so i have been working on like you no know, two projects recently one that i'm trying to work on a non-fiction so i'm also trying to like you no know, i keep writing opinion pieces about like what is happening in like a field of art, culture and politics under the certain kinds of regime or like you no know, certain kinds of formation of Hindutva or Hinduism in that sense. And therefore, like you no know, that so this non-fiction my field that should be like my first non-fiction. And it is called Body on the Barricades. Yeah, so the book is called The Body on the Barricades and Art and Life and Art under the Authoritarian Regime. And that will be coming most probably by the October. The book was, yeah, that's, yeah, so very soon, it is coming very soon. Another project that I've been working on, and I'm quite like, that is an academic kinds of project that I'm doing is on the question of cultural justice, that I'm trying to theorize the question of cultural justice, because you know that like in South Asian context, you have a lot of debate around like, no, economic justice, social justice, but I think the cultural justice in South Asian context has not been theorized. So yeah, I have also published one article and I have been trying to like, no, yeah, almost done like two, three chapters. But yeah, so next book should be Cultural Justice. Yeah, I'm looking forward. You can see the politics like almost at the brim in this chapter, in this book. And I am glad that we'll have a space to, because I, I didn't bring it up because I've had conversations with you in the past about the concept of cultural justice. So we will see a lot of that. And, and you've written articles, as you rightly said, and people can go and look those up as well. They're very informative and very uh, uh significant to especially the authoritarian times in which we are living so uh yeah i'm looking forward to both those books and 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 hopefully we'll see you again on this channel uh, uh with the with the new book as well at this point i'm gonna thank you so much dr prakash for joining us and for all of your insights 
I am Lakshita Malik, and this discussion of cultural labor published by Oxford University Press in 2019 has been brought to you by the New, New Books Network in association with uh, Mobilities and Methods Lab at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Thank you so much for listening. Do pick up a copy of the text and yeah, have a great day, everyone.